Um, Alani Schooler is with us. Lonnie Schooler is an attorney here in Houston, Texas. He is, I am told, a, an expert on the history of the Jewish South. A pleasure to have you here. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Actually, I would say more the Jewish history in Houston. Jewish history in Houston. Good enough. I'm going to give you the whole southern region. What do you think of that? Huh? Okay. <laughs> uh, you just pointed to yourself when I mentioned about devastation in homes. What kind of damage did you we, suffer we from? We had some infiltration of water. Uh, and it was aggravating because we had to replace carpet, but we were the luckiest on our block, which was about four blocks north of the bayou. Everybody else south of us heading toward the bayou uh, was underwater, three or four feet of water. Several people have already sold their homes and aren't returning, so I've witnessed firsthand the devastation that has occurred. And the effect that it's going to have on the community because, again, as you right. said, people will move away <coughs> and, and not come back. Right. Um, <coughs> how would you put it? Are we sitting in a... In a a Jewish historical city? Are we sitting in a place right now, Houston, Texas, that has a rich Jewish history? How would you put it? Uh, I would express that, yes. Uh, for a city this size, we've never had as large a Jewish community as you find in Las Vegas or Phoenix or Denver for some reason. But the Jews have been here since 1836. first recorded Jewish settler was in 1836, which was coinciding with the establishment of the city right. and Texas independence from Mexico. Right. So we've been here a long time. So I'd have to assume that there were no other cities in Texas that had any Jewish presence at that time. Would that uh, be actually, no. Um, if you look at a map, the most logical entry point at the time in the 19th century was Galveston, right, big which had the point, predominant right. population. Right. And it had a great flood in 1900, which moved it from first in the state in population to 12th in one decade. Right, but when were the first Jews in Galveston? Uh, the Jews came through Galveston. Actually, the Jews came from Spain right. and migrated up through the, what we call the Rio Grande Valley to Galveston. Oh, so we're talking about the 1600s. Yeah, uh, 1500s, 1500s, actually. Yeah. And getting there was easy if you were on a boat. Right. And so the coastal areas, Corpus Christi, Brownsville, and Galveston were the first places where we really had any population. But this is pre-colonial right. Mexico. Spanish colonial. And then the 1800s, as you mentioned, right. Texas becomes a state in the United States. Right. Houston incorporates as a city and immediately has a Jewish population. Right. Uh, what's it been like? It seems like, uh, I mean, the way it was described to me, the last 50, 60 years have been the real growth of the Jewish community here. Would that be accurate? Uh, it's been a big migration from other parts of the country. I've, not unusual for what we call the Sun Belt. Right. The, the states, Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, and California, because of the climate, I think, and also the economic vitality of Texas. It's attracted a lot of people from the Northeast and the Midwest, Jewish people included, to come to Houston. Right. And, so. uh, and, and, and from the Sun Belt, which cities, which cities gave you some of the, uh, <laughs> of the future Houstonians? Atlanta? New Orleans? Uh, or? No, not as much. Uh, New Orleans did after Hurricane Katrina, right. actually, ironically. Uh, but really, the, the Sun Belt cities were the ones that benefited from the migration. Right. And what, what was that like 10 years ago when <coughs> members of communities like New Orleans, you know, the Jewish came here, and I assume many of, many of the people had very little, you know, because of... Uh, had nothing. Had nothing, practically. Uh, and my law firm was involved in a project, uh, one among many. We were, our office is situated across the street from what's called the Brown Convention Center, ironically the site of two former synagogues. And uh, 15,000 people were housed there. Another 25,000 people were housed at the Astrodome, which then was vacant, still right. is. And we were in a project to take down the names of all the people they had recorded as coming in. That's 40,000 people. Yeah, putting them on a database. 
because families had been separated and parents and grandparents didn't know where their children and grandchildren were. And by this establishment of the database, they were able to locate each other and reunite. In the case of the Jews from New Orleans who came here, uh, we had two special fundraising events that I remember where the Jewish Federation of Houston sponsored programs to benefit these people. Many of them were taken in by local uh, Jews to live at their houses until the city was reopened and their houses could be renovated. And although I certainly don't want to belittle what people have just gone through here, right. frankly, I don't think it was anything to compare with Katrina, which had the double whammy of the flooding and the high wind. How did people in New Orleans know that Houston would be such an accepting community? I'm not sure. Uh, it, it ended up being Houston and Atlanta. Right. Uh, I think Houston is only 350 miles. It's the closest big city. Uh, right on Interstate 10, it just made sense to come here. Uh, we aren't out of a, a flood zone in terms of the hurricanes right. or the storms. You'd think they might want to keep them away. But well, actually, in fact, uh, we had a, hur a threatened hurricane here a month after Katrina, and it fizzled out. But it destroyed Beaumont and Port Arthur, which is 100 miles to the east. Right. And Katrina itself had an effect on southeastern Texas. Am I right or wrong about that? Corpus Christi got hit by uh, Katrina or not? No, no uh, the dirty side of the storm came in Louisiana. Right. The winds came through eastern Texas. But then the storm that came the following month, Hurricane Rita, was really devastating to the area around the Texas-Louisiana border. That was the one, Rita. Lonnie <coughs> Schooler is here talking about the Jewish South, talking about Houston, Texas. When did the Orthodox community start to make a real presence in Houston? It was the original community in Houston. It was an Orthodox yes. community. Uh, the reform movement as such started in Germany in right. the 1810s, 1820s, really had not made its way to America at that point uh, until there was a big German migration in the late 1840s. Right. In Texas, reform movement was unknown. And our first great synagogue still standing today is called Beth Israel, Temple Beth Israel, was established in 1854. Uh, and there's a famous photograph of the synagogue at High Holidays, 1871, with a mechitza down the middle, meaning a dividing right. line, where well-dressed, modern-dressed Jews are on one side and Jews in black with beards and uh, black caps are on the other side. And the synagogue realized they had a divide that they couldn't overcome, and the decision was made to become a reform synagogue. So it was really the first great reform synagogue in Texas, followed quickly by the synagogue in Galveston, B'nai Israel. Right. And are there any legendary rabbinic names in American Jewish history that come from Houston? Henry Cohen. The rabbi in Galveston from 1888 to 1952. He's the longest serving rabbi in Texas Jewish history. Uh, he was responsible as the, the existing role model and leader of the Jewish community in the southeast part of Texas to coordinate with the Jews of New York in what became called the uh, West of Hester Street mm. project to allow Jews to migrate from Europe and land somewhere other than New York. The New York Jews were very concerned in the early 20th century about overpopulation of immigrants. Stop me if you've heard this before, <laughs> except with different groups. Right. And uh, in particular, the backlash against Jews. And so they came up with the idea of having boats come directly from Germany to Galveston, which had a port and a direct steamship line. And um, the Jews of New York undertook uh, uh, fundraising to make this possible, and Rabbi Cohen agreed to sponsor all the arrivals because at that time 
the immigration authorities required that somebody had to speak up for people coming off a boat. And that, he said, I'm the guy. That was his function. And he made, uh, he made it possible for all these people to survive. That movement, the so-called Galveston Plan, lasted about six years, saved about 10,000 people, and was only stopped because World War I uh, started and the shipping lanes in the Atlantic were blocked because we're, of military reasons. We're here in Houston, Texas, as we talk about the uh, after effects six weeks now since the Memorial Day Shavuos storm. Um, one of the iconic pictures of this, of this most recent storm involved a rabbi, an Orthodox rabbi being... Rabbi Radinsky. Right, yeah. Rabbi Radinsky being taken by boat, I assume right. from his home, right, right. to be saved. And uh, that, that picture was uh, in many ways symbolic for a lot of people of what was going on with the Jewish community down right. here during that yeah. storm. It, uh, it just showed how badly the damage was in many areas, as you just heard from Councilwoman Cohen. Right. Uh, a lot of this part of the town was underwater, four and five feet of water. And I'd have to assume that his house was one of them. Yes. Yeah, I would and guess. And he... He is about a mile and a half east of where we are at a synagogue, an Orthodox synagogue, of which he was the, the rabbi uh, that was devastated itself with two to three feet of water. Yeah, which so. we saw today, and uh, boy, oh boy, it's hard to believe what they went through and what they are now going to have to face in terms of the future. Right. Do you worry about the future of the Jewish community of Houston after all this, or with the historical perspective, uh, you're not that concerned? Well, we survived the Galveston hurricane of mm -hmm. 1900. I interviewed somebody once who was... Uh, three years old at the time of the hurricane, later the mayor of Galveston, <laughs> and he described being on the third floor of a four-story house. He remembered it. And the water came up to the top of the second floor. And Galveston survived, although it never was as prominent in Texas again. Right. Houston, I think, uh, is more spread out, a lot more diverse. Uh, in that sense, I don't think a weather incident will destroy the Jewish community. However, it's had a significant impact on the Meyerland area, which has been the scene of a lot of uh, Jewish residents since the 1950s. Right. I thank you very much for joining us here today. Sure. It's my pleasure. Thank you for doing the program. My uh, pleasure. Lonnie Schooler talking about uh, Jewish Houston and talking about the aftermath of the of the storm uh, back on Memorial Day six weeks ago. And uh, I thank you very much.